QK Radio is talking to Brother Nuruddin Limo on the Nigerian Boko Haram group, their history and the causes they espouse. This clip is part of the full interview on Friday Night Live, the episode of Friday the 6th of January 2012. So, you are from Nigeria? Yep. Uh, and so you, of course, would know more about the Boko Haram group than most Muslims would. Yep. Uh, if you could just give us a very quick, uh, I guess, um, rundown of, for example, like how many Muslims are there in Nigeria? And what does the Boko Haram uh, constitute out of that uh, percentage? Uh, Muslims in Nigeria are, let's just say, Nigeria as a whole is about probably just over 150 million people okay. and about 50% would be Muslims, maybe a little less. Um, the distribution of Muslims in Nigeria varies greatly. In the far north you can have 99% Muslims in some of the small towns or over 90% Muslims in those areas and if you go far south you can and east you can get places where you've got 90-95 uh, 98% non-Muslims so it's not really all evenly distributed there's a more skewing of the Muslim population towards the north um, what percent of those are Boko Haram it will probably be 0. 0.000 something percent oh, a very very small minority yeah. um, However, they may have a fair bit of sympathizers because people have not been happy with the way the government has handled things. Um, where the government has a leadership crisis on the state level, on the federal level, um, poverty is not being um, tackled with the amount of urgency, educational system is in shambles, um, and if you really want any good education, you need to just go to private schools. Um, a lot, not all, but most of the public schools um, are a washout. Um, you have dropouts, you know, unbelievable, 80-90% dropouts in some secondary schools and, and primary schools also where they can't move further. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, the healthcare system is terrible. You go to nearly any hospital and they've got electricity problems, they've got insufficient doctors. It's, I mean, to call it fourth world is actually an honor. You know, like it's really bad. It's really bad. And where you get the leaders still interested in building hotels and um, the level of corruption is shameless. Um, so once you've got all those problems together, um, it's very easy for such an environment to become the breeding ground for all sorts of people, you know, um, and they come with in different colors. Um, so whether it's just corruption and theft, whether it's um, people coming with various ideas of how to reform society. And the Boko Haram group started as a reform movement. A small group who felt that the Western agenda that Nigeria was taking was counterproductive and Nigerian leaders really, if you look at the, the way they are running the country, you know, um, whatever creates that cannot be praised. 
they looked at the educational system as the factory that produces the minds that run society. And so if the people running society are the products of the educational system, if they're messed up, then something must be very messed up with the educational system. And since this is Western educational system that is presenting a RIBA-based system when you're learning economics, it's what fuels the idea that democracy is what is best, and they can see that democracy has not really served Nigeria, it's just the system of the greedy, by the greedy, for the greedy. Um, and then you look at the number of dropouts that come out of the educational system, the dilapidated nature of the schools. It creates hopelessness. And for some, um, there must be something wrong with this factory. And so Boko is the Hausa word that refers to Western education. So Boko Haram means Western education is Haram. Why? Because this is the cause of all our problems, or at least so they saw it. Of course you can argue that yeah, but Malaysia has a similar educational system, but they don't have our problems, and you've got other countries, so it's not really the education, but that's not the point. For the Boko Haram, they view this as the problem. So they're against democracy, they're against um, a secular government, or call it a multi-religious, they're against um, the educational system, and anybody working in the police, whatever, is just viewed as somebody working to protect the system. And any Muslim working in the government was viewed as a kafir, uh, because you are sustaining a kufr system, as they would call it. So, now initially it was just rhetorics. It was just talk, a little like your Hizbut Tahrir here, but probably um, a bit more irrational. Um, and while you may find... Um, some of them, they wouldn't go towards as far as, you know, um, fighting anyone. But unfortunately, um, they, they were very political. And so they were very loud and um, they knew what they didn't want, but they couldn't present what it is they wanted that would work. But... People, I mean, they convinced a lot of students in universities to tear their certificates. And so it wasn't like all ignorant people. They got some educated people among them. Um, to cut a long story short, there were conflicts between them and initially with the police and they got shot in the legs um, and then they promised retaliation and then a lot believed they were responsible for killing late Sheikh Jafar, who was very um, vocal and against, against them, them. Um, and attempting to kill some other scholars uh, who were very much against them. They were described by some of these scholars as being like Hawarij, they were described as being this and that, and they didn't find that funny, I guess nobody would. But um, when they started becoming more violent, um, the government really, with the security forces, um, did an overkill. Number one, you people weren't taken to court. There was just a, um, you know, according to one source, over two thousand people were killed in Maiduguri and in the, particularly in Maiduguri, um. which was like the headquarters. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the thing online. 
a lot of innocent people just lined up and killed the security people were just trigger happy and in movies you can kill a person and the family doesn't come looking for you but in real life um, you don't kill a hundred people and you think nothing happens you don't kill two thousand people and nothing happens and where people now are able to film things on videos etc um, after these killings and people got to know really what happened, um, they, they sympathized uh, with the Boko Haram and people got very angry with the government. But while in 2005, 2006, 2004 even, the Muslim Student Society, the National Council of Muslim Youth Organizations, number of organizations who we work with, actually tried to speak, not tried to, they actually spoke to some of the leadership both in the traditional leadership the securities about look time to engage with these people um, before they get too extreme uh, unfortunately the response was you know they'll be dealt with they're not an issue etc and the way the government finally dealt with them was just to try and kill eradicate them, eradicate them. of course they went underground now you couldn't find anybody to talk to and their method of communication became through bombing. Um, and now it was not just they had a problem with the system, but it became very obvious that the system was very cruel. And they had a more virtuous way of looking at things, and they looked at it also as partly revenge. And they want justice. And when such a group starts thinking that way it's very bad um because the government won't say it's wrong um well finally when they started bombing places unfortunately that was when uh government started okay let's have an inquiry into the extrajudicial killings and you know unfortunately um the government had to be hurt and innocent people's lives lost before the government woke up to be concerned with justice. Um, the group has since then split into other factions and really uh, most of us don't know what really is going on anymore. Um, but the, the inability of governments to learn from others how to handle radical or extremist groups. These are not new. You know, extremism is not new to Egypt. It's not new to anywhere. It's not new to Sri Lanka. It's not new to Ireland or Northern Ireland. It's not new to anywhere. Um, and to think you can just come and, you know, just kill as you want and nothing happens. People become brave hearts, you know. They just become, just don't know what you get out of that and um, it forces some people to really be very very cruel mm. um, and while you don't approve of what they do you understand why they do it uh, but it becomes a very vicious cycle yeah. that no one is ready to forgive um, and so you don't know how it's going to end. Exactly. But, uh, we pray that at least by educating the youth, um, 
even if however long this continues for it doesn't become an intergenerational issue so the education of the youth is a prior like that's at least something in our circle of influence that's something we can do make sure that whatever happens it doesn't continue and we pray Allah makes that easy but um, there's a lot to be done and it's not just about Boko Haram like the, the, the things that created the environment and the fertile ground for Boko Haram could very easily start another group and another one. You know, like, and if the government is not going to learn from its mistakes and the leadership are not going to learn from mistakes, they'll, it'll end up being a very messed up country. Um, it's a beautiful country. Uh, it's the best Nigeria there is on the planet. <laughs> and unfortunately, there's just one. But um, we'll do what we can with what we can, and we pray Allah makes it easier for us. You've just been listening to Nasser El-Khatib and Sarwa Abdurrahim interviewing Nuruddin Limu on Friday Night Live. Listen to the full episode on Friday, 8 p.m. Go to www.qkradio.com.au and click on the Listen Live tab on the right.